Well, good morning again. It is a wonderful time of studying the last few days. Um, I've preached a form of this message several years ago and uh, spent some time over the last few days uh, restructuring. We were going to start our sermon series on the five solas uh, this week, um, but uh, we decided as a pastoral team to, to wait until we get together to do that. And so uh, Tyler and I are going to preach uh, topical messages uh, the next two weeks. And so I, I had a, a great opportunity to, to pull out a, uh, some thoughts that I preached a while back and then um, kind of rework it. And uh, I was thoroughly encouraged uh, through my study time. And I hope this morning uh, you will be as well. Uh, turn your Bibles uh, to Psalms chapter number 91. Psalm chapter number 91. Uh, we're going to just be in the first four uh, verses this morning, and then we're, uh, we're going to go uh, to a couple other places. But uh, we're going to get our initial thoughts this morning given to us uh, from this passage. Psalms uh, 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. He abides in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper. He who, He and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with, a piston, with his piston, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you that in Psalms here and throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we get glimpses of who you are of your strength, your mighty, how you take care of us. Uh, and Lord, everything that encompasses you, uh, that you have revealed to us, Lord. Uh, we know that there is so much that we are going to learn about you uh, for all eternity. But Lord, you have chosen to reveal uh, how strong you are in your protection and your guidance and your care for us, Lord. And that's what we'll study this morning. And Lord, we just thank you that you are a God that we can fully and completely trust in all circumstances. In your name. So it starts off here, the psalmist, uh, just for clarity's sake, uh, we don't know exactly who the psalmist is here. Uh, some believe it is David, uh, and some believe it is Moses. Uh, and for the reason of we're not really sure, we're going to just call it the psalmist today, all right? So we're just going to refer to whoever wrote this as the psalmist, and that will um, cover either one of them, all right? Uh, so the only reason I bring that up there is in verse number two. It says, and he, uh, and I will say, all right? And so the psalmist is making a statement here in verse two, and so... Um, but in verse 1, he, he says there's two parts to verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter 
of the Most High. Now this is a, a statement given that he who does dwell here, all right? This is not everyone doesn't dwell under the shelter of the Most High. Uh, the word shelter there can also be uh, translated uh, comfort. He who dwells in the comfort of the Most High. This is God Almighty. This is the Creator of all the world. Uh, the Most High God. The only God. The only true God that we worship. He who dwells there. Now, this is reserved are specifically for believers. Those that have trusted God. Those that are, are believers in who He is. And, and we're going to uh, dive more into that statement here at the end of, of the sermon. But this is a specific statement given to those that are a part of God uh, and that are a, a part of His family. He who dwells in the shelter or the um, comfort of the Most High. Okay, So that is a statement given. The person that is in that position will abide in the shadow of of the Almighty. Now this is a, uh, a psalm given for encouragement, a song talking about how God is our protector. So if this morning when you look at this, you say he, uh, you, the, the person that dwells with the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. How many of you think to you in your own mind, wow, I'm comforted, I'm in a shadow. That sounds very safe to me, right? you shadow. How many of you have ever ran to a shadow for safety? Well, it's because we're not understanding maybe the context of what the psalmist is getting at here. Uh, one thing that we can consider when it talks about a shadow is in the area in which this was written over there in the Middle East and in and, and many parts here in the United States, but especially over there, there's places that it gets severely hot and the sun uh, will actually roast you and, and, can, and can cause severe uh, pain even to death. The sun uh, beating down. Uh, we, we see somewhat of that in the book of Jonah, right? As Jonah is complaining up on the hillside uh, with Nineveh, Jesus, or, uh, God grows a, uh, a plant to cover him from the shade because the heat was going to, uh, to kill him is what he was complaining. And so the idea here of a shadow or shade giving protection from the sun is one thing that the author is uh, bringing out here. As well, the word translates uh, into something that uh, it means so much more than just a shadow. It's a, it's a picture or a, something that can just give us a glimpse of, of His protection. A shadow of God is wide. It's, it's, it's big. It, it encompasses us completely. Okay? The word also means a, a defense. Okay, the shadow is a defense. It's, it's, the translates can be um, given there. It is a um, something that hovers over. Okay, to sink is another word that could be translated to submerge, to submerge and to disappear. So these are words that are brought out here in in when it says the those that abide in the with the most high or or 
in his comfort will abide in the shadow or his complete defense. This is a complete defense. Now, when you talk about a complete defense, what are you talking about? And who are you talking about are two major components to this verse. If I were to tell you I was going to be your shield or I was going to be your shadow and I was going to be your defender, you might be slightly encouraged uh, that, you know, uh, but you're not going to be fully convinced that I can handle every situation. But when we look at the Scriptures here and we see Psalms 91 in, in, in the latter part of that first verse, it says, we will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This is God. This is the Creator of everything. This is not uh, a small being or an insignificant being. This is the shadow of the Almighty. This gives the idea of power. Impregnable is another word that we could use for this uh, and, and an understanding of who the Almighty is. To utterly lay waste is another word that could be used here. To utterly lay waste. To be strong. He who is all-sufficient. He who is all-sufficient. That is probably the best characteristic of the word Almighty, He who is all The Almighty God is all sufficient into taking care of you, into uh, shadowing you, into defending you in circumstances. And it talks about this uh, as we go. But it, the psalmist here wants to make a statement. And he says in verse number 2, I will say to, you, to the Lord, I will say to the Lord, he's making a statement here, I, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What, a, what an amazing and incredible statement given by the psalmist here. He is my refuge. He is a place that we run to for safety. God is that refuge for us. He is our fortress. We not only run to Him as our refuge, but He is our fortress. When we think of the word fortress, we think of power. We think of real safety. Uh, I had the opportunity years ago, back in 2000, uh, to go over to Europe and, and to spend three weeks there as a missionary uh, uh, experience with a, with a group, and we were able to tour some of the castles of that day, uh, or, or of old you know, there in Europe, and they were massive walls and huge compounds that were that were not you could it would take uh, incredible forces to even penetrate the walls. And, and that's the idea here. But even more than that, when we talk about a fortress from God, it is in You cannot penetrate it. You cannot get in to His protection. He is my God. That statement there alone is a powerful statement, a statement that we need to take to heart. And do we claim that in our own lives? 
do we make the statement that He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. Understanding who He is. He is my God. <coughs> Sorry. In whom I trust. Full, complete trust. In verse 3, for, he, for it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper. God is the deliverer. He is the one that protects. He is the one that is a safe haven. We can hide in Him. We can hide under His protection. And He is the defender. He is the one that defends us. We can rest assured in His defense from the snare of the trapper. The trapper here is referring to Satan. Though Satan and, and his de desire to entrap us and desire to, to, uh, to persuade us to maybe go away from God or even to ensnare us in our own, in our own sin, we can run to Him, uh, to, to God, for our safety and our defense to get away from that snare. But we have to dwell with Him. If we leave the dwelling out of this, if we don't dwell with the Most High in the security of the Most High, we don't have His protection. Those the verses go together. We can't just say we're believing in God and then we get all of His protection no matter how we live. We live uh, like we like, there is no sin in our life, and we just we live life however we want, and then we think that the protection of God put upon us, and and everything's good just because we made a profession of faith. That is that is so far from the truth. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that person is the one that will be uh, that. He is the defender of. He is the one that will defend from the snares. And how, how, do, how do we know that? It's because we find ourselves when we are not living in accordance to God and in His plan, if we're just living a sinful life in and of ourselves and it's all about us, we find ourselves constantly trapped in the snares of the devil. We find ourselves constantly falling and constantly in bad situations. And we wonder why are we not able to conquer these or, or, or get away from them. And it's because we're not dwelling with the Most High. He will also, in the latter part of verse 3, and from deadly pestilence. God is the one that protects us from these pestilence. He is the one that gives us strength. Now the word pestilence there is, is a great disease, a great um, plague. Uh, some of the commentaries reminded us of the old black plague in, in Europe that killed 30% of its inhabitants. Massive, massive uh, plagues that were very devastating. And God is our defense in that. He is our provider. He is the great physician. He is the that is uh, there guiding in, uh, us in our lives. Now, you might say, well, Mark, what if I get 
a disease? Or what if I have a great sickness? It, it, was I not close enough to God? That, that's not what this is saying. God is the one that gives us our security in Him. And it doesn't mean that we will not go through hard times. As Tyler uh, spoke before I came up, he read from the life of Job. Job went through amazingly difficult times, losing his children, losing his uh, wealth, losing his uh, health, uh, his wife turning on him, all of this. Uh, but he still stayed faithful to God. And in Job's life, uh, his life was restored to him. In other circumstances, maybe your life isn't restored. But you know what? Life is about our relationship with Christ. It's not about the circumstances. And when we understand that life is about trusting in Him and that He knows what's best for you and I, we have that concept of no matter if the tempter comes or the, or the, the snares of the trapper, or deadly pestilence, we can trust in Him because He cares for us. And we might go through those circumstances. And we might go through hard times. But He is faithful to guide and direct us through them. God doesn't promise us ease of life. God doesn't promise us that life is going to be a bed of roses. That uh, as soon as you trust Him, everything is just going to turn out great. It's not what this is talking about. But it is a mindset of knowing that He is the Almighty. And whatever He decides, Scripture says, He will do what's best for us. And to glorify Him. And so whatever glorifies God is what's going to be best in our lives because that should be our desire is to glorify Him. So if we do get sick, we don't blame Him. We trust Him through that, that He will take care of us. Falling into various different trials, we understand God will help us through. Some of the trials are self-inflicted, and some we go through so that we can be stronger. Going on to verse 4. This one is very encouraging. It gives the, the picture of a bird and how it uh, takes care of its young. He will cover you with his pinion. The, the word there means wing or feathers, sorry. It's the feathers. Okay? He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you, uh, you may seek refuge. You know, when uh, young birdlets are... Um, being maybe uh, in, in cold weather or being attacked by a predator, they will run and get underneath their mother's wings and their mother will spread out those feathers and wings and it's, a, it's an amazing shelter and shield from not only storms but of predators and those that would attack. And it's a great picture the psalmist is giving us here of how we can run to Him and He will comfort us through His Word and will guide us through circumstances in our life and give us uh, that strength and that refuge to run to Him. And then in the last part of verse number 4, He says, His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. 
These words are kind of similar. A shield would be, obviously we know what that is, uh, something that someone would use in battle as a, as a protection from swords and arrows. And a bulwark is uh, a berm or a, a, a wall or something that you would build to protect yourself against uh, enemies and against uh, the oncoming uh, attack. And so he is a faithful shield and a faithful bulwark that we can hide behind as we look at Scripture and we are comforted in who He is and what He is. And the more we rely on Him and the more that we engage uh, with Him in this way, the stronger our faith will become. I want you to turn over to Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3 where we're going to go to next. And I'm going to give a short little story, and hopefully this story will uh, be enjoyable for you to listen to, but also will encourage you. Uh, and, and as all stories, uh, when we uh, begin to use them as analogy, as, as correlating to God, they break down at some point. So when I, when I talk about this, understand not the whole analogy doesn't work perfectly because uh, of, of the situation. But I think it's a good picture of what happens in a life of a believer when we begin to trust God in tough circumstances. But let's Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge Him and he will make your path straight. Do not, be wise, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, the, the main part of this that I want us to, to, to grasp as I, as I begin to tell this story is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Okay, so most of you know that I, I have horses and I have a specific horse named Breezy. And I bought Breezy as a four-year-old uh, from a lady and uh, she was uh, untrained. She had never had, she really didn't even have a halter on much. So she was a little bit older. Usually you start a horse around two, the age of two, maybe a year and a half to two years old. This, this particular horse was four years old when I got her. And I began to train her and uh, began to work with her. And I uh, went through a uh, training program with a uh, wonderful friend of mine and uh, a great mentor in the horse world. And, and uh, I went through the program uh, with her and, on that and, and taught her uh, very uh, fine-tuned training methods of, of how to do things. But we never left what we would call maybe the arena or uh, safe environment, okay? We're either in an outdoor arena or an indoor arena, but we never went up into the mountains or any of that because my goal with her was to do some, some cow horse riding or some, doing some cow horse stuff or some reining. Uh, and, and if you don't know what that is, go on to Google and just Google 
or reining, and it'll explain it because I'm not going to take the time to dare. But it's, a, it's an advanced way of training horses. And you get very specific skills put into the horses where you, they're very useful in, in doing working cows and, and so on. And so I, I spent the time to do that, and I spent a lot of time. Now, the analogy I want to give us to here is this horse had put some trust in me. Okay, we, we had a decent relationship. She allowed me to do amazing things on her back, and it was great. But it was all in a very confined situation. And so in this analogy, we're going to say that this horse would represent a believer. But a believer that maybe is uh, not gone through many hard circumstances, a believer that understands the Word of God uh, and, and, and maybe can relate well in a church circumstance. All right, maybe it's taught Sunday school, it's, it's advanced, it understands the Word of God, and it's advanced. So that's kind of where she was. But she's not really been out into any tough circumstances at this point. And I have a good friend of mine that uh, owns uh, roughly around 350, 400 cows. And he asked me if I would come up in the mountains and help him gather those cows. And this was going to be a, you know, 15, 16 hour ride. And I thought, what a great opportunity to take this horse and give her some new experiences. Uh, little did I know that this was going to be quite the adventure for that day. We went up into the mountains and for the most part, starting off, we were just going down a road. It wasn't that big a deal. But as she began to see and hear sounds that she had never encountered before, you could tell underneath me she began to shake and became to, uh, became really nervous and not to uh, as much. She began to trust more in her own instincts and 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 be fearful of circumstances. And we and uh, horses um, don't really have a good depth perception. They don't know how deep something is. And so you'll often see them, if they're out in the wild, they'll jump over th uh, extremely large, you know, small little uh, canyons or whatever that aren't very wide. Uh, they might be deep, but they're not very wide. They'll clear it like it's 10 feet wide because they don't really know how, uh, how deep things are. They, they don't have the depth perception. And that's what she was dealing with. We had a huge rain a couple days before, and it had washed out parts of the road, and we had to jump over a section of the road. This took some time for me to, uh, to work with her to get her to trust me to actually get over it. We spent quite a bit of time that uh, first several hours dealing with going over obstacles, around obstacles. There was large rocks that she had never seen. She didn't know what they were. She was scared of them. She trusted me enough <coughs> at that time that I could guide her through some of this stuff, but it took a while. It wasn't like she just said, oh, he said, go this way, so I'll go that way. And so for the first several hours, it was a, a, a quite a, a, a challenge for me to ride her because we'd get up to an obstacle, whether it be a stream or a, a, a hole in the ground or a large rock or a scary-looking tree or whatever it might be, and it took me some time to work with her, to get her through, and to build her trust in me in a different circumstance in a circumstance that she had never been in. But what's interesting, as the longer 
that she and I worked together, and the longer that we were riding together, and the more circumstances that were tough that we began to get in, she began to quicker and quicker and quicker get through the scary things and going through the water and going through the holes. And I remember this so vividly because at the, about the midway through the day, I was really tired because I had to constantly and working with her to get her through this. And she never refused completely. She went through everything, but it was a, a lot of work to, to get her to go through this. But the reason why a memory in my mind with this mare or this horse is by the time the end of the day came, it did not matter what I came up to, she went through it. And it was very little to no argument. Very little to no argument. At that point, she had not been hurt in any situation that I'd put her in. She had, I, I hadn't put her in a situation where she'd lose trust in me. She, she, they were tough. They were hard. We were going down super steep a, a, angles. And, and, you know, she had scratches and stuff on her. But I hadn't put her in a situation that I don't, we couldn't get out of. And she began to realize she could trust me and trust me and more and more. And by the end of the day, we had to go up the same road that we came. Now that road that I told you that was washed out, it took us probably a half hour to get across it the first time. And by the time we came up to that road again, uh, she walked straight across it. There was no argument. There was no confusion. There was no, I'm scared. And by the end of the entire ride, we went through areas that uh, were pretty uh, amazing to me that we even got through. And the analogy that I want to give correlating with this scripture is, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, when she went into that day, she believed she was. But when we hit hard times, that trust level dropped tremendously, and she no longer was trusting me with all of her heart. And again, remember, these analogies break down some. I'm not God, but in her situation, that it's the same idea. She had to trust me that I knew that that little valley was not going to hurt her, that she could get over it with no problem. She didn't know that, and so she wasn't fully trusting me. And she was leaning on her own understanding of what was going on. So often that's what we do. As believers, we say we trust God, but then we lean over our un, on our own understandings and our own circumstances. And we forget that He is the one that can carry us through. This is so evident in hard times. It's not evident when things are going well and the job's going well and the health is going well, but when we go through difficult times and times that we, we view that is an, un, uh, un, a, an unreachable goal or an unattainable situation, that there's no way I could get across that uh, with what she, the horse was thinking. And we tend to lean on our own understanding when we should fully trust in Him because He is the one that can see what's going on. And all our ways acknowledge Him. By the end, by the first, she was acknowledging her own strength and she was trying to figure out her own way to get around things and to do things. By the end of that ride, she was acknowledging me and saying, listening to me as I guided her through uh, the, the, the different scenarios that we were getting in. 
So she was acknowledging me and not trying to figure it out herself. And uh, it says here in in the uh, latter part of verse 6, it says, and he will make your path straight. In, in, in the story here, you know, a lot of times the pathway that I chose was the best and safest way for, the, for her and I to get to there. And if I were to let her go, she might have chose a place that would take us off the side of a cliff. And so she began to trust me that I knew where we were going. And, and even though she was confused and couldn't see, a lot of times she was, her head was in the trees. And we were going in real pain. And she didn't really know anywhere where we were at. She began to trust me. And it was such a wonderful experience at the end of that ride to be on a horse where I could just guide her anywhere I wanted to. And that is the relationship that God seeks with you and I. And that we would allow Him to guide us and to, to, to put us in the circumstances without that fight and without us lie and do it. And, 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 and as verse 7 says here, and to be wise in our own eyes. We should not be wise in and of ourselves. We should be wise through Scripture and through the, the training of Scripture and through the reliance on God. That is where uh, we will uh, be comforted and we will grow um, with Him. And that trust comes through hard times. That trust comes. That heart of I want to rely completely on Christ comes through these hard times. We don't see it through uh, what we would call a soft life. But those times that are difficult, those times that we, we cannot see our way out and we don't know which way to turn, those are the times that we need to understand we need to trust in Him. And the, the situation will work out so much better. She was much more tired. The horse was much more tired at the beginning of the ride than she was at the end. Because at the beginning of the ride, she struggled with me so much. She struggled and struggled and struggled because she was fearful and didn't want to trust that I knew how to get through these situations. And by the time we got to the end of the ride, the struggle was gone and she began to trust and she didn't wear herself out at a scary hole. She just went through it because she began to trust that it was okay. And she had been through scary holes before and realized I can make it through this and I'll be okay. So that is a, should be an encouragement for us that we can make it through these difficult times. And God's going to put us in those and we should trust Him who are we trusting? How does this work together with Psalms, 30, or Psalms 90? Who are we trusting? We're trusting the God we just talked about there. But I don't want to just leave it there. I want us to turn to the New Testament. Because, as I said at the beginning, we're going to come back to that verse 1 of Psalms 91. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High... How do we dwell there is where I want to end in our uh, study this morning. By explaining and going over the gospel. What it is that we believe, how we can obtain to dwell within within the most high. 
and to have his shelter and his protection. The first thing that we want to talk about is we want to explain the gospel and how this works in a believer's life. The first thing that we're going to talk about is that Jesus is God. We have to understand the importance that Jesus is who we said he was and Jesus is God. That is a part of the gospel. And in John 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word here is uh, a meaning for the word Jesus. We would see that as we read down. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. This is a statement made by John saying that Jesus, the one that they see, is God. And why, do I re- why did we read verse number 3? Because it talks about who the creator of the world was, the creator of everything. And if we go to Genesis, which we all know well, Genesis 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So in John, it says that Jesus is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And in Genesis, it says God is the creator of the universe. So then we understand that Jesus is God, the Creator. This is so important. Talks here of the Trinity as well. Um, but the understanding that Jesus was not just a prophet, just not a good man. Jesus is God Almighty. The one that we were reading about in the Old Testament it's the same. Jesus is God, the Creator. The second thing that we want to recognize when we're looking at the Gospel, the second thing we must believe is that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. A perfect, sinless life. That He not only was God, but that He lived a sinless life. Why? Jesus come to earth for us and to, to, to be among us is because of our sins. Because that we were sinful from beginning. As, as a child, when you were first born until now, you have sinned. God knew that and He also cannot allow sin into heaven. And the only way that we would be able to obtain going to, to spend eternity with Him and salvation is for there to be a sinless sacrifice. To be a sacrifice that was given by a sinless man. And so that is why the second part of the gospel is so important that we understand Jesus came and not only lived as a man, but He lived as a perfect man without sin. And we see that in 1 Peter. Now, we see it throughout Scripture. I'm, I'm just pulling out some Scriptures. But in 1 Peter 2, 21 and 22, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps. 
verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was any guilt found in his mouth. Okay, this is a statement made by Peter reminding us that Jesus, that Jesus lived an example for us and that He lived a sinless, perfect life. Other places in Scripture talks about that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, but without sin. Such an important part of the Gospel that we must grasp if we want to uh, be, dwell in the Most High with the Most High. In the last part of our, uh, there's three that we're going to tie together because they're all in the same verse. Uh, but it's three separate things. Uh, but they're, they're, we find them in the same verses here. That He died. Christ must have died. He had to be God. He had to live a sinless, perfect life. And he had to shed his blood. The scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There had to be shedding of blood unto death. Unto death. So that he would not only shed his blood, but that he would die. It had to be a bloody death that Christ suffered for us. And that he was buried. What, why, do we, why do we put buried in there? Well, you don't bury people that are alive. So it gives the understanding that He died. That He not only was put on a cross and, and suffered the penalty for our sins by bearing our sins on the cross, He was brought down from the cross dead and buried. This also fulfills the, what Jesus said, if you tear this temple down in three days, I will rise it up again. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. But that Jesus must have died and was buried. Those were important aspects of the gospel and what we must believe. But I will tell you this morning that if we had a God or Jesus was God, and we, and we knew that. And that Jesus lived a perfect life, and that Jesus died, and that Jesus was buried, and it ended there, we would have no gospel. We would have no saving ability. There would be none. The key component to it all is that Jesus rose from the dead. Why Easter is such an exciting time for believers is because we sing songs like we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. We serve a risen Savior. Again, a risen Savior identifies that He is God. We cannot rise, raise ourselves. There are men and, and young uh, people in Scripture that we can read that did raise from the dead. But who, did they, who were they raised from? They were either raised from an apostle or from Jesus. And what happened? They died again. But they did not raise themselves. Jesus rose from the dead and continues to live until this day. And where do we see that? If you're, if you're writing notes, if you go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians in verse, or chapter 15 in verses 3 and 4. For I believe, for I, be, uh, for I, beloved, 
delivered. Sorry. <laughs> For I delivered to you as of first importance what is also received, that Christ died for our sins. Okay, that's an important aspect. We must remember that it's in first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. And that he was buried and that, and that he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. So this morning, as I preach through the encouragement of who God is and how He uh, takes care of us and that we can hide under his, his shadow and His wings of His protection, how do you get to the position where that can be bestowed to you and that is your position of the God that you follow is by understanding so that you can be dwelling in the midst of the Most High God. How do we do that? Is by believing what I just talked about is the Gospel. That Jesus is God. If you don't believe that Jesus is God and there is no other, you're not believing the Gospel. You can't take parts of the Gospel and say, well, I believe all just this part or that part. We have to take it in each step as important as the other. And they all have to work together. We have to believe that Jesus is God. He lived a perfect, sinless life. There's people out there today that want to refute that and say that He didn't. But the Scriptures say He, he lived a perfect life. And then to believe that He died for our sins, He was buried for our sins, and that He rose again, proclaiming, as we see in Romans, Romans talks about He was declared, Romans 1, I believe uh, verse 5, says He was declared the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. He is the Son of God and is God because He rose from the dead. So this morning, I hope it is an encouragement to you that if you believe that, these encouragements of in Psalms 91 are given to you. And that we can live trusting Him through the hard times. And the more you trust Him through the hard times, the easier it becomes. Because we've been through it before. Don't shy away from the hard times. And this morning, if you haven't, trusted in Christ, if you haven't gone through those steps of believing who He is and what He's done on the cross and raising from the dead, I urge you this morning, I urge you, I urge you, accept Christ. Accept what He's done for you. Not only so we can have the benefits, but because of His great love for us and what He's done for us. We are destined as unbelievers and as sinful men to an eternity away from God, an eternity in hell. But He, in His love and His mercy, gave us a way of salvation. And that is what we had just talked about. So this morning, I hope that was an encouragement to you. Please be in prayer for those that are uh, sick that you know of. Uh, and just be in prayer for our church and our community, our, our state and our country, our leaders, that uh, we would not live in fear. We would not live in 
a doubt, but that we live in trusting him, that God is the protector, God is the guidance, that we run to scripture to learn and to, to be strengthened. Uh, but do be in prayer. Uh, it will uh, just encourage us this morning that the prayers that we send out for one another strengthens the body and strengthens one another. And that when we get back together, how encouraging it would be to, to tell one another that we were praying and thinking of one another. I would encourage you to call your brothers and sisters in, in your church and, and uh, encourage them. Read scripture to them. Pray with them on the phone. Um, the body is the church. And we are a church whether we're meeting together or not. And in some, in some circumstances, sometimes we have to take different steps to communicate to each other. But I encourage you this morning, encourage one another. Send texts, send messages, talk to them, uh, encourage one another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much again for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that we have, that we know that if we are in you, Lord, we have your protection, your refuge, your strength. We can trust you in our circumstances. Lord, we trust your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, above all, we thank you for your so great of salvation. We thank you for your gospel. Lord, I pray that the heart's of those that did not or do not know you would have been pricked this morning to know you even more or to get to know you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for us that do I believe you and have trusted you, Lord, that we would trust you even more through hard times and to understand the, when we go through these times, we can be encouraged through you. Lord, again, I love you. I thank you for who you are to us. In your name, amen.